Hello, and thank you all for joining me for the first official episode of the Cosmic Whiskey Hour here on Ray Gun Radio, coming at you from Cash, from Middle Age and Mediocre. Uh, I am Cash. And uh, yeah, we're going to try out a new show here. This is going to be a Spotify exclusive. Uh, basically, that just means I'm going to be using some songs uh, throughout the show that are uh, being added through Spotify. So if you have Spotify premium, uh, the one without ads, you know, you will hear the full song. If you're listening to this on Spotify and you don't have premium, you can still listen to it, but you're going to hear about 30 seconds of each song. So either way, everybody can still listen to this. It's really just a matter of how much of the song you can hear. So I, uh, try to do the the cosmic whiskey hour, couple years ago, uh, never really held my interest, just wasn't, couldn't find the right format, but I think I got it here. So, you know, me and Joel do the Middle-Aged Mediocre podcast, and we're looking to branch out into some other things. So I figured I'd sit back, enjoy some bourbon from time to time, talk about uh, my time in professional wrestling, probably get into some other things here and there. And uh, play some music for you guys and hopefully introduce you to some stuff you haven't heard or just play some stuff that uh, you already know but you like. So tonight's episode is going to be mostly, uh, well, pretty much completely pro wrestling related. Going to talk about a specific match uh, from Remix Pro Wrestling that somebody requested I talk about. Going to talk about how I got started in professional wrestling. Uh, what I'm up to now as far as wrestling goes. And uh, that's pretty much it. So hopefully this goes well. Hopefully everybody enjoys it. I'm going to go ahead and pop open this bottle. Tonight we are enjoying some Wild Turkey 101. Let me go ahead and just pop this open. Pop the cork there. Pour myself just a little bit here. And by a little bit, I'm talking three fingers. So, cheers, y'all. Thanks for listening to the first episode. See how it goes. So, before I get into uh, my time in professional wrestling, I want to talk about the tragic death of another professional wrestler. Uh, Jay Briscoe. He unfortunately died earlier this week in a car accident. Uh, way too young to be gone. I think he had, you know, years of a wrestling career left. He started started the same. Him and his brother Mark started about the same time as I did. Uh, he started young. He's seventeen, eighteen, probably when he really started. Uh, he was 18 or 19, 18 when he was already making a name for himself, you know, and uh, in Ring of Honor and CZW and all over the place. But uh, him and Mark would go on to be the Briscoe Brothers, one of the best tag, maybe the best tag team in professional wrestling. Unfortunately, they never had a run on, you know, AEW, WWE. I always really thought when AEW started, really thought that would be when the Briscoe Brothers got to be on a nationally televised wrestling product, they would really get to show 
a national television audience what they were capable of. Um, you know, maybe that would eventually happen. Some things in the past kind of prevented that, uh, unfortunately. And then now, you know, it's never going to happen. But uh, like I said, they got started about the same time I did. And I remember seeing them for the first time in 2002. Uh, I used to be pretty big into tape trading. Uh, I would get, um, I'd order tapes back when, you know, VHS tapes, when that's the only way you could really get indie shows. Uh, if it wasn't WWE or WCW back then, uh, or TNA, you know, you had to order tapes. Uh, you could trade, you could just buy it. I used to buy a lot of the Ring of Honor shows. So the first one, first time I remember seeing Jay Briscoe, he actually wrestled his brother Mark, uh, at Ring of Honor, uh, their show, August 24th, 2002, Honor Invades Boston. And it was really good story going into it. Mark uh, had been, he was 17, and a lot of the shows that Ring of Honor was running were in cities where Mark could not wrestle because he was not old enough. So he would accompany Jay to the ring. And basically be an asshole on the outside, just a smart ass, like, you know, the younger brother. Uh, run his mouth the entire time, and then when Jay would lose, he'd talk shit to Jay. And uh, Jay finally had enough of it, and knowing that there was a show coming up in Massachusetts, it would be the first Ring of Honor show to take place outside of Philly. Uh, Jay told Mark, you know, he better get ready because... In Massachusetts, uh, Mark's allowed to wrestle, so it's going to be Mark versus Jay. And the match was just a classic. I mean, these two young kids, 2002, I am 18, or no, I'm probably 19 at the time. Uh, I'd only been wrestling for a year and a half, two years at this point. And these two guys went out and put on... Just an incredible match. If you haven't seen it, uh, try to go out of your way to watch it. Again, it's called Honor Invades Boston. It is a brilliant story throughout the match. Great little piece of wrestling. And I was a fan immediately. I was hooked by these guys. Uh, you know, they're both kind of scrawny young kids, both wearing uh, wrestling singlets that look like they uh, maybe had them when they were in high school in wrestling. Or, you know, they were hand-me-downs, nothing nothing flashy. Just two kids that could wrestle their asses off. And again, they went on to be an incredible tag team. Jay would have a pretty incredible singles run in Ring of Honor at one point with what I consider one of the best Ring of Honor matches of all time. It took place in 2004 at uh, ROH at our best in New Jersey, and it was Mark, or uh, I'm sorry, Jay Briscoe versus Samoa Joe in a steel cage for the Ring of Honor world title. Uh, just uh, one of the best matches. I just saw a list recently of five Jay Briscoe matches you should go out of your way to watch. Somehow that one didn't make it, but that maybe should tell you just how good Jay Briscoe was. The Briscoes were a team that uh, myself and the Freebird, Brian Cross, when we were the Bastard Sons of Rock and Roll, or the Murder City Devils, depending on where we were wrestling, uh, 
they were the team that we wanted a match with. Uh, that was the dream match for us, was uh, us versus the Briscoes. We had similar styles. Um, I think we would have put on... We you know we wanted to test ourselves against a team that we considered to be the best going at the time, and uh, you know there was a point, and I'll get to that when we get to the remix pro match that uh, somebody asked me to talk about. I I kind of felt like uh, we were headed that direction where we were going to have the possibility to step up, uh, you know, our place in the wrestling business. And compete against guys like the Briscoe Brothers. Um, it's funny how things work out, though. And, uh, you know, things don't always work out the way you want them to. But that's not important at all anymore. It's just, can't believe Jay Briscoe's gone. Um, I, you know, we would have had years and years of the Briscoe Brothers in wrestling still. And uh, now we don't. So, you know... Thoughts go out to the Briscoe, to Jay's family. Um, really hoping his uh, his daughters were also involved in the wreck. And uh, I think one is in pretty bad condition. I did see today that it seems like there's some positive news there. So hopefully that uh, continues to remain positive. And uh, yeah, I just, that's a hell of a loss for wrestling. So I'm going to go ahead and play a song that uh, the Briscoes use as entrance music. And it is, uh, it's definitely a song that I associate with the Briscoes. We used it as the Bastard Sons of Rock and Roll as well. And uh, so, yeah, enjoy Give Me Back My Bullets by Leonard Skinnerd, And I'll be right back after the break. Cheers to you, Jay Briscoe. All right, that was Give Me Back My Bullets by Leonard Skinner off the 1976 album, Give Me Back My Bullets. Uh, So, okay, yeah, so... Like I said, that song always reminds me of uh, the Briscoe Brothers, but that is also the song that myself and Brian Cross used as interest music uh, as the Bastard Sons of Rock and Roll. Or, like I said, certain places, certain promotions, uh, they didn't like the word bastard, so we also uh, went by the Murder City Devils from time to time, because apparently murder was okay, uh, but couldn't say bastard. So, uh, on Facebook... Friend of the show, friend of uh, every podcast I've done, really. Jason Teasley. Uh, I asked uh, people to, uh, you know, leave me some questions, some suggestions of topics or whatever you want to hear me talk about. And Jason Teasley uh, wants to hear more about the behind-the-scenes story of the match that was too bloody for Marietta, Ohio. And I know exactly which match he's talking about. Uh, So, a little... Before we quite get to the match, let me give you a little bit of idea of what was going on at the time. Uh, I feel like me and Brian Cross, you know, the Bastard Sons were really picking up some steam. We had been 
wrestling pretty regularly all over the place, uh, having some really good matches with a lot of good guy, a lot of good tag teams, and Cross had been gone. Uh, he was, you know, kind of in and out from time to time. Um, don't really know what was happening in his life exactly, but uh, there'd be some shows where I would end up pulling a you know singles match. But when he was around, we were just we were on fire as a team. And uh, in remix, I was uh, I I was teaming with T.J. Phillips, and the story was that we beat Jason Gorey and I believe uh, uh, Matt Connard for the Remix Pro Tag Titles with the help of a returning Freebird Brian Cross who came out of nowhere, uh, hit the cutter, the RKO, uh, allowed me to pick up the 1-2-3. We won the tag, t- well, myself and TJ Phillips won the tag titles. Uh, and then... Brian Cross, uh, he came back looking like he'd been hitchhiking. He wore this, uh, he had this big army coat on, headband, looked like he had just walked in off the streets. And basically the idea going into the following match was uh, I was claiming that myself and him were the actual tag team champions for Remix Pro Wrestling. Uh, but, you know, kind of cut TJ out, even though he was officially my partner for that match. Uh, so... Story going in was he picked a tag partner, which ended up being Viper, and it was Viper and T.J. Phillips going against the bastard sons of rock and roll for the Remix Pro ti- Remix Pro Tag Titles. Uh, I had, you know, claimed the belts. T.J. had claimed the belts, so we were going to figure it out in a match. Uh, winning team, they're the new, they're the uh, Remix Pro Tag Titles. Tag champions. So, like I said, I felt like we were we were ready to uh, take the next step. We were ready to really launch the Bastard Sons. Uh, you know, there was going to be this match to to make us to solidify that we were the Remix Pro Tag Champions, and then I felt like we were going to be the team in Remix. Uh, you know, you wanted those tag belts, you were going to have to go through us, and uh, I was really hoping that we were going to have some of the top tag teams in professional wrestling at the time come in to try to take those belts off of us, and we were going to be able to show what we could do inside that wrestling ring. So, a lot of promos back and forth to, lead, to build the matchup. Um, me and TJ talked about the match a lot beforehand, uh, weeks, weeks, weeks beforehand, we would constantly be texting each other, uh, really working out the psychology of why the match was happening, what needed to happen during the match to make it all make sense, uh, you know, just really working out the details of the tag match, the story going into the match, the story of the match. And, uh, you know, it was going to be, a, it was advertised as a street fight. Falls count anywhere, anything goes. Uh, and we knew that it had to be a little bit more violent than anything else 
had ever been in remix pro wrestling. So we're talking, you know, barbed wire, thumbtacks, uh, anything and everything. We were going to make sure that we gave the remix pro fans an experience that they would never forget. And we definitely did, I think. Um, but a lot of things happened in this match. And uh, there's a lot of memorable stuff, a lot of things that should have went differently. I wish they would have went differently, but it's not how things work out. So the match uh, was myself, Brian Cross. We had Steph Leppard as our manager, taking on Viper and TJ Phillips. And the match starts off hot. We uh, pair off. It's me and TJ pairing off, fighting out into the crowd. Cross and Viper fighting out into the crowd, and I mean, we are just laying into each other. It was it was a fight. The crowd is going nuts from the start. I mean, they were into it. We're going up to the we're going up through the bleachers, back down, fighting everywhere. Uh, at one point, barbed wire comes out, and I'm on the outside of the ring. TJ is. Laying, I think, on the bottom rope facing me. I popped TJ with, uh, I believe it was like a barbed wire bat. And turned to the crowd. And I can hear, I can just hear horror coming from some of the people in the crowd. And, I mean, I can hear, I remember, like, a kid yelling, like, a woman. I remember hearing a woman say, oh, my God, uh... I mean, there were, I, I could hear, I could see that there was a weird reaction happening, and I wasn't sure exactly why yet. Um, Cross and Viper are still fighting to themselves. I turn back around, and it is just a bloodbath. I'm looking at a bloodbath in front of me. TJ is pouring blood. I mean, just pools of blood. On the Muda scale, I mean, we're off the Muda scale at this point. There's blood everywhere. Everywhere. And people are losing their minds over this. Because up until that point, I don't really think there'd been a lot of blood in Remix Pro Wrestling. Definitely not that much. Because you don't really get that much blood in a lot of wrestling shows. Uh, there's a few cases of it, Eddie Guerrero, JBL, um, off the top of my head, you know, there's flares definitely, you know, bled buckets, but TJ Phillips bled bathtubs. I just mean so much blood and match went on, uh, crowd is chanting, you know, uh, fight forever. Uh, we're just, we're getting crowd is so into this match, and we, you know, that fuels wrestlers. The more the crowd's into it, the more we're into it. Um, so, myself and Cross, we win the match. Um, we we win the tag titles. We're officially the tag team champions. Um, I'll get into a little bit more of that situation. But um, first, you know, sticking with the blood. We had been told... Um, you know, beforehand, that uh, if something happened and there was blood, then that's one thing. Um, we, you know, we cleared the barbed wire. 
we'd cleared uh, thumbtacks, you know, we cleared tables, everything like that, and uh, but we were told no bleeding, you know, no, uh, no, no purposely cutting ourselves for blood, basically, and I, I don't know. It, I mean, I still don't know. Um, I don't think it was a blade job. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, it was hard way. So, but there was. I mean, the finish of the match almost had to be completely changed because the way it was originally going to end was uh, I was going to be pretty much trying to hang TJ as we both stood up on the top rope. Um, Or I was going to be up on the top rope from the outside of the ring with a cord wrapped around TJ's neck trying to hang him. He was going to climb his way up, kick back. We were both going to go through tables, and then Cross would end up pinning Viper in the ring. There was so much blood, I couldn't hold on. I couldn't do anything to TJ because there was just too much blood. So we ended up kind of modifying that to where I still went through the two tables. Um, but clearly TJ was had lost enough blood that he was down and out. But I remember going to the back and just seeing a trail of blood. I mean, just puddles of blood everywhere. All the way back through the entrance, down the stairs and, the you know, to the locker room, get in the locker room, and there's just, just so, I, I don't know how TJ didn't lose too much blood that night. I don't know how he lived. I mean, he had to have lost more blood than you're supposed to be able to lose. The showers, like he went to the showers, and there was just all over the walls, there was blood, just everywhere, everywhere there was blood. And, you know, we're in a middle school, so uh, I'm sure they didn't love that. Uh, Also, the barbed wire had ripped the canvas of the ring that um, another promoter had brought. Uh, Plus, you know, the, the, the canvas is now stained with blood. So they weren't happy. The building wasn't happy. Which means the promoter's not happy. Uh, you know, Remix almost lost that building, which they had ran every show in. Um, it was, it is the home of Remix Pro Wrestling, and uh, that match almost lost it. But you know, from a, somebody that's been doing this since the 2000, 2001, I've I've been I've you know been a wrestler. I've been a promoter. Uh, things happen. It's not always awesome. You get pissed off about certain things. Um, you can either let them stick with you or you can move on. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But uh, nobody was happy. We almost lost the building. But it was a hell of a match. Um, bloodiest match in remix history. And I'm sure it will always be the bloodiest match in remix history. Uh, you know, Maybe not the best thing to be remembered for, but got to be remembered for something. Um, craziest match I think Remix has ever had, too. So I think we put on a hell of a match. But unfortunately in the match, uh, to me, the most unfortunate part of that whole match was during the match, Viper and Brian Cross. Uh, Viper, one of his moves was what is known as the uh, Kryptonite Crunch, I believe. I think that's what it is. No, that's not it. Uh, it's the um, 
don't remember what the hell the move is now. But basically, uh, Cross was tucked in under Viper's arm. Like, his, you know, his head and neck area is tucked in under Viper's arm. His his chest is laying against uh, Viper's upper upper middle back. Um, his legs are around Viper's neck. And Viper goes off the apron, puts Brian Cross through a table to the floor. And uh, we get to the back. And when in the match, you know, I, I kind of... There's a there's a part in the match where Viper rolls back in and ends up going through a table and then I'm supposed to throw him to Cross who's going to hit a spine buster and when Cross gets back in the ring I looked and saw that nobody was home. Um you know, he was going through the motions of the match and that dude still went through the whole match. Like he was perfectly fine, but I could tell just by looking into his eyes that he was gone. He was no longer there. Um, he just knew what was supposed to be happening, and he did it. And Brian Cross is one of the best wrestlers I've ever been in the ring with. For a dude that really didn't have official training, I mean, his training was he started teaming with me, and I trained him from the apron and trained him on the road. And he was just naturally great at pro wrestling. Uh, but we get to the back, and he's telling me that his shoulder is pretty fucked up. Uh, he's not sure what's wrong with it, but, man, you know, it just hurts. It feels feels different than normal pain. Um, not too long after that, he says uh, that he's going to have his wife take him to the hospital just so he can get his shoulder checked out just because it feels weird. Um, feels like maybe it's worse than usual, not something he wants to let just sit. <clears throat> so I tell him, you know, go ahead, I'll get you the... Uh, once I get the payday, I'll uh, call him or his wife, see if they're still at the hospital. If they are, I'll bring them by the – I'll stop by, see how he's doing, drop off his half of the pay. And, uh, yeah, so I'm thinking, you know, everything's fine. Just maybe a dislocated shoulder or, you know, there's – every after every match, you're hurt a little bit. Sometimes it feels worse than other times. Sometimes you got to be, you know, on the safe – Try to be safe and go get it checked out. So I didn't think much of it. So once I get paid for both of us, I call, uh, get a hold of his wife and ask her, you know, are you still at the hospital? And like, hey, I got the pay here. I'll run it by, stop and see how he's doing. And she tells me that uh, they're getting ready to put a chest tube in. So I'm no doctor, but I do know that uh, shoulder injuries don't usually require a chest tube. So I make my way to the ER in Marietta, find them finally, um, that place is like a damn maze, and I find them and I find out that, uh, he has popped a lung, um, when he, apparently when he went through that table, he had most likely held his breath, um, you know, without thinking, and as he hit the air, popped a hole in his lung. So he'd also shattered his ribs, and, uh, you know, it's probable that a shard of his rib also maybe punctured the lung, not exactly sure. But, uh, yeah, that would be the end of Brian Krause's wrestling career, and that would be the end of the Bastard Sons of Rock and Roll as a tag team 
And that would be the end of the Bastard Sons of Rock and Roll as the Remix Pro Tag Team Champions. So we uh, relinquish the belts at the next show. And that was it, man. That was it. Um, I will never, ever, ever regret the time I spent as uh, Brian Cross's tag partner. It's my favorite time in, in pro wrestling. Um, we had so many good times on the road together and uh you know i think we were i think we were just getting started and i think we had a lot more to go but like i said shit works out in funny ways you can't ever plan for anything and uh you don't always get a a say in how things go so but yeah that was uh <coughs> bloodiest match of remix one of the best nights of my life Quickly turned into one of the worst. Luckily, Brian Cross is okay now. Um, you know he's doing fine. Him and his wife are uh, have a have a kid. They're doing great. Um, you know, so I'm glad that the dude decided because uh, he was you know he didn't have to quit wrestling. Uh, I would have done everything in my power not to ever let him wrestle again because. The doctors basically said, you can't do this anymore. And I'm glad he chose to continue living a healthy life rather than, you know, just struggle through and risk it. So, hell of a run we had. Um, Let me take another drink in honor of the Bastard Sons of Rock and Roll. Cheers to us. We were a hell of a tag team. And I don't care what anyone says. But we could uh, we could hang with the best of them in the ring. So up next, one of my favorite bands. Going to play a song by them. This is by Against Me. It's called Scream It Until You're Coughing Up Blood. I kind of thought that one was fitting for this story. So enjoy, and I'll be back right after this. Scream it until you're coughing up blood by Against Me off of their 2002 album, Reinventing Axl Rose. So, let me, uh, I gotta refill my glass a little bit here. Pour myself another couple fingers of whiskey. Once again, I'm enjoying some Wild Turkey 101 as I talk to all of you. So I talked about kind of the, uh, somewhat the end of my run as a pro wrestler. I have a I had a little bit more after that and I'll get to that another time, but I thought maybe I would, uh, talk about how I got started in pro wrestling. Uh, I was always a fan. I remember as a kid, uh, my uncle, he had a satellite dish, so, uh, I would go over to my cousin's house and uh we would watch 
I would be able to watch like the uh, NWA, WCW pay per views. Um, I was, I think I was introduced to wrestling through NWA before I knew anything about WWF at the time. So like Sting, Flair, the Steiners, uh, maybe not the Steiners yet, but the Road Warriors, all those guys. I remember all of them, and I was immediately hooked. I loved it. And then whenever uh, I started watching WWF, love Jake Roberts, uh, Bret Hart, um, you know Hill, Hillbilly Jim. Uh, so yeah, I grew up always a wrestling fan. Watched it all the time. Did a lot of uh, backyard wrestling, starting when I was like eleven or twelve with some friends. And sometime around then, I decided that I was going to be a professional wrestler. That was what I was going to do. That was going to be my career after high school. And I remember I had this idea at one point that my my plan was I was going to save up enough money to, uh, the day after I graduated, I was going to take a bus to the Hart Family Dungeon in uh, Canada. I was going to knock on the door. And I was going to let them know that I wanted to be trained to be a professional wrestler. I had no idea how any of that worked. Uh, there was also some other issues with my plan. I never actually put back any of the, any money for it. Uh, and I also didn't have a passport to Canada. But again, at like 12 or so, I didn't know how any of that worked. So, I mean, the, I mean, the money thing, I probably knew how to do. I just didn't. So, yeah, the... Uh, the the Hart family dungeon plan never worked out, but like I said, I uh, was involved in backyard wrestling and didn't know how to really get into wrestling, though. There was, at the time, there was the WCW power plant in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I had no idea how anybody got into the WWF, and uh, I really didn't know about any other schools for pro wrestling, so I had no idea how this worked. Uh, I just knew that it was what I was going to do. I didn't even really know that there was professional wrestling outside of WCW and WWF. I would get wrestling magazines and I would see all these other shows happening, but I really didn't understand what they were. I didn't know what independent wrestling was. I knew there was wrestling in Japan and Canada and other countries, but as far as in America goes, I didn't really know how these other wrestling promotions operated or how you got involved in them. Then one day, I, uh, uh, I did find out about NWA Tri-State. At the time, it was called something else. Um, I don't remember what it was at the time, but uh, it was ran by Richard Arpin, and they had a show at Parkersburg South High School where Mick Foley... Mankind was going to be the special guest referee for a hardcore match. And that was the very first wrestling show I ever went to. Um, and it was just as awesome as I would have ever expected a wrestling show to be. I loved everything about it. I mean, of course, there you know wasn't the production like there was in WCW and WWF at the time. But this is like 99, man. This is like 98, or this is 98 or 99. This is like when wrestling is still hot as fuck. Uh, I remember when, like, you know, during the Money Night Wars, I would watch, 
Nitro, and then uh, a friend would watch Raw, and we would be on the phone together, uh, like, telling each other what was happening. Like, at this time, the wrestling was the thing in a lot of people's lives. Uh, you know, you had to pick, were you NWO, were you NWO Wolfpack, were you DX, you know, were you, w- were you WWF, were you WCW, what side are you on here? There was a lot going on with it. It was making, like, you know, they were on, like, late night, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, they were on TV Guide covers, uh, MTV, wrestling was everywhere. So, I, uh, you know, I found out there was a wrestling show at South High School, I went to it. Loved it. Uh, you know, Mankind did the special guest referee thing with Mr. Sacco and all of that. And there was another show ran by Arpin. Um, and the, uh, you know, the Mankind wasn't on this one, but Arpin wrestled uh, Virgil uh, from, you know, back in WWF and WCW when he was in it. You know, he was an NWO member. Uh, but he was most famous for being Ted DiBiase's uh, manager slash... Uh, you know, servant basically in WWF, and one of the best things about that show was at one point, uh, and I would later find out, you know, more about what was said and what actually happened. But I do remember watching it, knowing something was going on and like something had happened. But I guess at one point in that match, Virgil kind of uh, hit Arpin in his dick. Uh, you know, shoot. It wasn't supposed to happen, uh, and Arpin was inside the ring, and Virgil was outside the ring. I think he was probably wrestling as Vincent at the time, and uh, Arpin had the referee come over to him and say something to him, and I guess what he said to him was, you tell that motherfucker it's on, and when Virgil got back in the ring, the ref told him, hey, Arpin says it's on, and Virgil was like, what the fuck does that mean? And then Arpin returned the favor, uh, and laid in a few good shots of his own. So yeah, a little, little fun story there. But anyways, um, a friend of mine, he actually, uh, reached out to Arpin to find out about, uh, how one would become a professional wrestler for his organization. Uh, you know, the promotion he ran was a part of the NWA, which even though the NWA was no longer associated with WCW, it was still, you know, running all over the country. Uh, and there was like, I believe they tried to, they maybe at some point did, but I know they had connections with Japan. Um, so the NWA was still a pretty big thing. So he reached out to ask how one would become involved in that. And he actually set me up for a tryout. So he kind of was my agent in all of this, I guess you could say. I'm pretty sure I was 16 or 17 at the time, um, and he arranged the tryout for me, got it scheduled, told me about it. I forget how much, I don't remember if it cost anything to do the tryout, I don't remember any of that, but I remember it being at the Dill Center in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and I showed up. I think they were either going to have a show... The next night, or I think what actually was going on was there was going to be a boxing event <clears throat> at the Dill Center the next night. So the ring was already there because they were, you know, the boxing event was going to use that, going to use the wrestling ring. So Arpin supplied the ring. So it was already set up. So I did the tryout. A lot of running the ropes, <clears throat> a lot of uh, bumps, you know, just falling back, taking bumps, rolling, just to see if you could get down the basics. So that's 
pretty much whatever tryout is. And I, you know, I loved it. It hurt like hell for the next few days, uh, running the ropes more than anything. I remember my kidneys felt like they were going to explode. Like I had these huge bruises on my back, right around my kidney area from hitting the ropes wrong. And I was just so fucking sore for days afterwards. But I, it was the best thing that ever happened to me at that point. So not too long after the tryout, uh, Arpin gets a hold of me, or he might have contacted my friend. You know, he was my agent, so he might have went through him. I don't remember, but whatever it was, he had offered me a contract. And to a 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid uh, who wanted to be a professional wrestler, holy shit! I was being offered a contract to be a professional wrestler. So I met him at the mall, and he uh, showed me the contract. And, uh, you know, I agreed to pay him X amount of money for the training. And I agreed to, you know, all the stipulations. I forget how much money it was. A couple grand. uh, You know, probably 2,500 or more. Something like that. I don't remember. But I didn't give a shit. Um, I would have agreed to anything. Whatever he put in front of me that day, I would have agreed to sign it. Wouldn't have cared. I was going to be. I was going to be a professional wrestler. This was as far as I knew. This is how it happened. Uh, I would sign that contract, and then uh, you know, six weeks later, six months later, however long, I would be on TV. I just assumed that's how it worked. So then I get home and I tell my mom, uh, you know, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. I told you. I told you this is what I'm going to be doing, and here, here it is. It's happening, and. She saw the amount of money I agreed to pay, and uh, I was, you know, I had a job at the time, but there was no fucking way I was going to be able to pay that. And also, I'm not 18, so I can't fucking legally sign a contract, which means makes I might have been taking the contract home because I had to get her to sign off on it. I don't know, but she, uh, I think I had to call Arpin and tell him, you know, hey, this isn't going to happen. Um, I can't afford it, uh, whatever. He tried to, I believe there was some discussion of you've already signed the contract, and then I'm pretty sure the words like, uh, you know, he's a minor, that's illegal, uh, lawyers. Pretty sure there was some, some legal words thrown around. I could be misremembering. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm 39 years old now. I landed on my head a lot. I got hit in the head a lot. I probably had more concussion. I got a more concussions than I can remember. Uh, so who the hell knows? Everyone remembers everything the way they remember it. And you never know how true a story is. So keep that in mind. But I remember that uh, the contract was not happening. So instead of the contract, I was basically told, okay, well, you can help us set up. Um, you know, you can basically work your contract off. You can work through it. So you can help set up the ring. You can help, you know, put up flyers. Whatever we need you to do, you do that. We'll train you to be a wrestler. That's all I needed. That's all I needed to hear, man. So I was in. I was in all the way. And I, like, not too long after that, the most ridiculous thing was that... They, there was a show being ran by Arpin at the Dill Center 
And I don't know if they just needed an extra match. I don't know if he just thought he would throw me a bone. But I got a random message or a call or whatever it was like a day before the show basically said, if you can find somebody to wrestle, I'll put you on the show. So a uh, dude uh, that I backyard wrestled with, uh, my friend Carl, I got a hold of him. Hey, you want to be on the show with me? Like, of course he did. Uh, he was most he was mostly excited because he was going to be able to, uh, as he said, slap hands with the fans. He was going to be able to high five the fans when he came out because he was going to get to be the face. He was going to get to be the baby face, the good guy. And uh, neither of us knew how to wrestle, really. I mean, we we did the backyard stuff, but we neither of us had any training at the time. But we were put on the show, and I don't remember a single part of that match or that show. All I remember is we didn't have gear. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, I just remember Carl being super, super pumped about being able to slap hands with the fans. Legitimately the only thing I remember. I can't imagine the guys in the back that were, you know, actual wrestlers were thrilled about this shit happening. And I can't imagine if I was on a show years later and I found out that two random dudes who had zero training uh, were suddenly on the same show as me. Granted, I've been on a couple of those shows, and I've always been very pissed off. Uh, I've been at some of those shows where guys with zero training have been involved, and uh, you can ask some people. I've typically let it be known that this is bullshit and Bush League and unprofessional and a dog shit wrestling show. So, anyways, so I, we we did that, which I don't even consider a match. Um, but I did. I started helping set up the ring. I started traveling with Arpin a lot to flyer the towns, you know, that we were going to be running shows in. Um, really learned a lot in those car rides with Arpin about the wrestling business. Um, and then learned how to do the basics in training and uh, got to have my first match somewhere in Ohio, like around Nelsonville. And uh, ended up being in a six-man tag, I think, in the main event of a pretty wild match. And, yeah, I was hooked. I was I was completely hooked. And then about a year after I was started, a uh, dude named Tim, who would later become known as Vance Desmond, he started wrestling for W Tri-State. And uh, the reason why he actually started is because he saw he uh, saw me in the match and thought, if that guy can do it, hell, I can do it. So, you know, you guys, you guys are welcome for Vance Desmond. Uh, that was because of me. So, yeah, we ended up becoming uh, uh, really good friends immediately. Um, and because of him... Uh, I really became a much better wrestler because, man, we fucking spent hours training together, um, watching wrestling, talking about wrestling. That was our fucking life. 24-7, man, you know, that's all we did was just pro wrestling. Uh, we would get to the shows early to help set up and just so we could train. And we'd just get in the ring and we would just 
try shit. We would just, you know, grapple, go over basics. We would just do anything we could possibly do to get better. Uh, and still friends to this day. Um, he's still, he's still doing it, man. He's still wrestling, um, helping out some of the young guys, trying to make sure he's, uh, you know, leaving his stamp on the wrestling business by helping younger guys be better and get better. And, uh, you know, I'll get into later on in future episodes of the show. I'll, I'm sure I'll get into the training school that we ran, uh, talk more about some of the stuff that we did together throughout our careers. Um, but yeah, right now, uh, as far as, you know, my involvement with wrestling, um, like I said, after the remix pro thing where, uh, cross got injured and had to call it a day for the business and, uh, the bastard sons of rock and roll were no more. Uh, I didn't wrestle for a year or so. You know, year and a half, I think it was, and I I tried to come back, and uh, you know, I I tried to keep going, and had a few matches here and there, and eventually just too much wear and tear on my body. Uh, you know, I had a broken back years ago in a match. I completely ripped apart both knees, multiple concussions, shoulder injuries, neck injuries, uh, ankle, foot broken at all, you know, just everything, just can't do it anymore, so at this point, man, like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I'm going, if I'm going to be involved in professional wrestling ever again in any capacity, I think that ship has maybe sailed, and I am just really, uh, you know, enjoying trying new things, uh, doing this podcast, uh, doing the podcast with Joel, Middle-Aged Mediocre, um, just really trying to branch out in a lot of other things. So I spent, you know, I spent 18 years. Uh, I spent pretty much my entire young adult life uh, as a professional wrestler. Didn't do a whole lot outside of that. And uh, now I'm trying to do a lot more things. So next song I'm going to play, though, is uh, a song that if I would have been able to make a real comeback in professional wrestling... A couple years ago. This is definitely what I would have used as my entrance music. It's by a band called Whiskey Myers. Uh, perfect for this podcast. The song is called The Wolf. And in my opinion, it is just fucking badass. It's got these horns that come in at the beginning. And I can picture the entrance in my head. You know, I can just see me walking out to the song uh, with those horns accompanying me. And yeah, this song just, uh, I hope you guys dig it, uh, enjoy it while I, uh, continue drinking this Wild Turkey 101, and I will be right back to close this thing out after the song. Hell yeah, man. I fucking love that song. Just 
I know if I would have been able to use that song as interest music, it would have just hyped me up every fucking time walking to that ring. So that was from the 2022. It came out early last year. Uh, 2022 album Torneo by Whiskey Myers. Uh, check out the whole album. Check out some of Whiskey Myers' other stuff. They are great fucking southern rock band. Uh, but yeah, as I wind this thing down, get to the bottom of my glass. I just want to thank you guys for listening to the uh, first episode of this show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully future episodes won't be so damn somber and uh, depressing. Didn't really plan it that way, but the subject, the content matter, uh, that's you know where it led, man. And that's how things go sometimes. So not everything's sunshine and rainbows all the time. Uh, you know, going forward this thing, I'm going to... I'm hoping that this show helps me kind of remember a lot of things that I did in professional wrestling because it all sort of blends together. Um, like I said, I had about 18 years altogether, uh, and a lot of stuff went down. A lot of things happened. I had a lot of amazing, amazing moments, incredible memories from wrestling, but a lot of it does run together. I forget when things happened. Uh, it's kind of like if you took the timeline of when I was in wrestling and just threw it into a blender. It's pretty much how I see it. Uh, you know, I just see bits and pieces here and there. I don't know exactly. I, I mistake things sometimes. I think they happened earlier or later. I get things out of order as far as time goes. But I will try to, uh, I plan on, like, keeping notes from time to time on if I remember things. Uh, I plan on trying to have some guests from time to time on this show. Uh, I'll talk about things that aren't wrestling related. Um if there's anything you ever want to hear me talk about, if you ever got questions about uh, not just, you know, my time in professional wrestling, but professional wrestling in general, um, I'm fairly well educated uh, and would love to talk about it. If there's anything outside of professional wrestling you want to hear me talk about, let me know. Um, you know, I'm down to talk about pretty much whatever. So, uh I got plenty of opinions and thoughts. Uh, there's, you know, the main reason I'm doing this podcast is because on middle-aged mediocre with uh, Joel, you know, we try to keep things, um, even though we're talking about murder a lot, uh, even though we're talking about horrific shit quite often, uh, we do try to keep it funny, um, and you know, not too serious. We try to avoid getting into anything political, uh, there's been a few episodes where I've just had to make them kind of stories about things that have happened in, uh, you know, history that are political leaning. Um, but you know, I'm not going to, and I'm going to try to avoid that kind of thing on this podcast as well. But you know, I do want to talk about things other than some stuff that I wouldn't talk about on middle age and mediocre where that format just doesn't quite fit. Um, what I can talk about on this show. So, uh, again, I'm going to, you know, trying to introduce you guys to some music that I really like, uh, some bands, some songs, um, please leave some feedback. Let me know what you think. Uh, let me know, uh, you know, if you're going to plan on listening again, uh, like I said, any questions you guys have for me about anything, just let me know, um, any subjects, topics you'd want to hear about, you can always drop them in the comments. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Born Into Filth. Uh, you know, Facebook, um, Middle Age Mediocre. You can get a hold of me there. Um, or if you're friends with me on my personal one, drop me a line there. But yeah, just get a hold of me. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you want to hear more of these. And, uh, you know, I hope you've enjoyed this one. Like I said, I didn't mean for it to be so damn uh, uh, depressing at times, but it is what it is. So, to close things out here, I'm going to play a song. I discovered this guy uh, a couple years ago, and uh, uh, I love his sound. He's a badass dude from Texas. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, his name is Zach Welch. You can find him on Twitter at Zach Welch Music, Z-A-C-H-W-E-L-C-H-M-U-S-I-C. And uh, this song is called Drunken Ramblings, Drunken Ramblings of a Hopeless Romantic. And I think it is pretty much the perfect song to end this episode on as there is talk about backyard wrestling. Uh, you know, if I had a million dollars, I'd buy me a wrestling ring. Uh, there's talk about uh, hitting friends with steel chairs. And uh, this is kind of like a uh, this kind of like a love song about uh, you know holding the gold because he's got the girl that he wants. Uh, I love it. I love the song so much. This is actually the the version I'm going to play for you guys is from the 2022 uh, redo R E D U X. I don't know if it's redo or redux. Uh, pretty sure it's redo, like Hot Shots Part D. Uh, but the original version, this, this one's the, the version I'm playing for you guys is kind of sped up a little bit more, uh, a little faster. The original version is from the 2021 album, punchy shirts and broken hearts. And it's a little bit more slowed down, but I really dig the sped up version. It's got a little bit more of a punk rock feel to it. So, uh, yeah, man, thank you guys for listening so much. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, let me know what bourbon you guys enjoy and I'll try it out if I haven't already. Uh, like I said, this, this week I'm drinking Wild Turkey 101 and, uh, yeah, not much better than Wild Turkey, but I'm sure I'll find something, uh, I know there's some stuff I like better, but I'll be trying some, I'll be having some different bourbon on every show. But anyways, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully I'll see you around for episode two. Enjoy the drunken ramblings of a hopeless romantic by Zach Welch. Burger <laughs> 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 <laughs>